how do you design systems for inclusion? Well, we all know what is inclusion and we all want to live and work in a system that feels totally, totally inclusive. But then we have all these policies in place, which means that inclusion is in place. Theoretically, that's a yes. But in practice, is the environment, is the working culture really inclusive? Do we feel hurt in meetings? Do we feel empowered? Do we feel that we're involved in all the decision-making that's going on? So if you want to know a little bit more about inclusion and how you can design your system for inclusion, and you want to know that formula because you want to be that instrument for change to shift your environment, then hang on here because these are exactly the questions that we're going to answer today with Susie Lewis. If you're new here, welcome to Meet My Potential Podcast. This is your host, Deepa Natrachan, that Indian girl from Toulouse in France, where I talk to leaders from around the world to inspire and to ignite your potential. Today, our guest is none other than Susie Lewis, who's been with us on the show several times before. <laughs> uh, I think it's just a meeting of the minds. Susie Lewis has got more than 20 plus years of experience in digital transformation. And if there's one word that represents Susie, she just knows exactly how to make transformation happen in organizations. Her website, www.transformforvalue.com. So that's transformforvalue.com. That's Susie Lewis. Let's welcome her on the show. Hi, Susie, and welcome to the show. And today we're going to talk about design for inclusion. And before we get into what is design for inclusion and you run us through all of that, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. And thank you for having me on the show, Deeper. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, this is not the first time you've been on the show and it's always <laughs> no. a pleasure to have you back here. <laughs> I guess, you know, we're going to end up running half the episodes together because it's always so nice having conversations with you. And those conversations, I end up uh, feeling very inspired after hearing them. Likewise, meeting of the minds. Exactly. So, <laughs> so let's walk through what is actually designed for inclusion. It's actually a, an approach and a methodology that I've created to help people become more deliberate about how they define, design and deploy an inclusive culture in their organizations. So not necessarily a culture where everyone is the same, but where difference is included in the mix. And this difference is recognized and normalized. So more of a courage based culture. Yeah. You know, there are lots of HR policies and lots of systems and processes in place to ensure that there is diversity in organizations. Mm. And so are you talking about like design those policies, design so that there is enough diversity? Is it that? No, but clearly it's part of a bigger picture. So yes, diversity, there are lots of policies that deal with this, with the statistical side of diversity, if you like. So the fact that we need to be diverse, let's take some examples, getting more women into the talent pool, particularly in senior management positions, or having different nationalities, or creating networks within organizations for different groups in the employee population. But not a lot of these initiatives and policies actually look at inclusion. So how we manage this difference in diversity and how you build an environment where it's accepted and where it's taken into account in the different policies and systems in the organization. Mm. I bet people who are listening, and I've also worked like you in organizations, and, you know, while I got hired, <laughs> I even got, in fact, my <laughs> payroll once increased by 80% because they wanted a woman in a senior management position. Oh, wow. okay. And that was actually quite interesting that I uh -huh. got hired for like such a big pay because they wanted a woman in you know, in a senior position and there wasn't much competition. So it was kind of easy to walk in there. <laughs> <laughs> While those were some good days, yeah. the question is really like, 
is there real inclusion finally? And I guess that's what you're talking about. I am. I'm talking about inclusion and I'm also talking about equality of opportunities. So, you know, is there a level playing field for everybody in the organization? Now, let's not be naive. Systems are what systems are and they have to be designed around something. But today, let's take um, performance systems, for example. Performance systems are 80 to 90% based on individual performance. And we're looking to move to a more collective system. Mm-hmm. Right. What is missing for you? I think what is missing is an understanding of what collective means and an understanding of what we need to put into the system for people to feel like they can unlock their potential. Let's take everyday examples. Yeah. For example, of why people burn out, meetings where people don't get heard or their mm-hmm. input isn't taken into account or where their leader is overly aggressive to get his or her results delivered. So I think, you know, not having the courage to explain certain decisions that have been made, like changes to to roles or project funding, and people get presented with these decisions on something they've been working on day and night with passion and purpose, but the higher agenda is different. And that is not a particularly inclusive way of taking into account, one, what the person feels about what they're doing, mm-hmm. and two, how what they're doing is being valued. Or quite simply, just not listening to the teams or informing them about what's going to happen. So there is no discussion on other perspectives or taking into account new ways of looking at things. Now, that's very different from how many women we have in a team, but the end result is the same. It's about how valued people feel and how equal the opportunities are within that playing field. Oh, brilliant. I like the two important words that you just mentioned here. How valued do people feel? And do we have an equal playing field for everybody? Mm -hmm. Because if you want people to feel valued, then just like you mentioned, you know, in the meetings, are everybody's opinions and perspectives taken into account? Is everybody simply being even heard? Mm -hmm. You know, when decisions are being rolled out, how inclusive are we of people's opinions? And how are we actually soliciting people's opinions? And Mm -hmm. at the same time, At what stage in those decision makings are we involving people? Is it like, okay, once I've made the decision, do I tell people about it? Or do I involve them from a very early stage when I don't know the answer? Yeah, and it's exactly that. And I think, you know, I know that you are also a great believer in unlocking potential. And there is so much potential in organizations that gets capped, if you like, for the wrong reason. Because people either don't dare to speak up, they don't bother to speak up, or they don't feel that they have a voice in that system. So let's take the discussion and the processes around talent management. There is a lot of definitions of talent, Mm -hmm. many of which I think are a little too restrictive. And then you have managerial behavior around talent, which is I have great talent in my team, but it's mine. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, not only does he or she make me look good, And because talent wants to come and join my team, but he or she will also bring excellent results and innovation, but they are my results. So I'm going to present these ideas to higher management, which creates a lack of empowerment and is almost fear-based behavior. So, you know, using diverse panels for defining talent management mechanisms and internal mobility processes, you know, bringing the different profiles into that and different perspectives to the table and being clear about that. It also incentivizes empowerment So people feel that they can take their voice to a place where it's heard. So it looks like there are lots of, lots of different issues that can come up 
when inclusion is really not dwelt into. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we need to have a real, a deeper understanding of inclusion because a deeper and a better understanding of inclusion will help us make empowerment easier, help us get people motivated easier. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? You did, yes. And it's essentially a bottom line activity. It's about competitive advantage because if people feel better at work, mm-hmm. they will be more productive. And if you have an environment where people want to come to work and can collaborate more effectively, then, of course, you take the innovation and creativity that comes from that diverse uh, environment and those diverse profiles, which will help you from a business point of view. I think there are founding elements of a system that is designed specifically for inclusion. Exactly. I was just going to ask you, what are the founding <laughs> elements <laughs> if you want to design a system for inclusion? Like, Do you have your formula for that? I do, yes. And, and I think as the conversation has gone so far, you can see we're talking about concepts and, and it very quickly gets quite fluffy, for want of a better word. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I like to think of the four founding elements for me, which are empathy. So understanding how people are feeling, what it could look like from their point of view. Psychological safety. So creating an environment where people can speak up to say what they think and feel that what they say is going to be valued, which creates trust, of course. And then a collective intent and vision for the way forward for either the team or the organization and then co-responsibility so actually formalizing that there is a collective responsibility uh, with a collective management team I think it helps you get away from the polarization of like blame culture or green culture (laughs) and and, you know the four elements the founding elements that you have mentioned Mm. empathy psychological safety collective intent and vision and the last one was co-responsibility they are not discrete elements. Each one can't be separated from the other. Like you need all of them to function. You can't just have empathy in the system and you need psychological safety for that. And having just empathy without co-responsibility doesn't function. And having co-responsibility or without a collective vision is not possible. Mm. So it's, it's quite interesting that you put these four as the founding elements because they're each tied into each other quite intricately. That's the point is that it has to be a systemic, holistic process. So if I look at the way organizations are designed and work today, it's mainly in silos and very much within territories of this is what we do, this is how we do it. If you go and ask procurement, maybe they do it differently. And that end-to-end transparency across the value chain Mm -hmm. is not always there. And I think for inclusion to be really embedded in the culture of an organization, that needs to happen transversely across all parts of the organization. I mean, You mentioned collective intelligence, and that is basically the result of putting these systems together. You know, Uh if you just have empathy on your own, of course, it will help. And empathy always helps. However, if you don't have an environment that is safe enough for people to actually say what they think, you can have as much empathy as you like. Yeah. But it won't get back into the system in the same way as collective vision and co-responsibility. If you don't have those fundamental building blocks, Mm -hmm. then people are going to get frustrated and hit walls that are either organizational walls or interpersonal walls around being able to build something more collective. Yeah, I can see easily like how in an organization of 50 people, I work with a couple of startups, and I can see how this kind of founding elements can easily be implemented. But Mm. what would your advice be to large organizations where you have like 30,000 plus people working? How do you deploy this kind of a formula in that organization? The first word that comes to mind is complexity. And that is 
organization's comfort zone is complexity let's make it more complex <laughs> so this is where the uh, <laughs> I mean, yes, that's just funny like, <laughs> organization's comfort zone is complexity well wow that's brilliant at least it wasn't made simple right <laughs> completely because, you know i mean like that's a big trap right believing yeah. that things are simple is the biggest trap actually so well if there's comfort zone in complexity, that's great. Okay, great. <laughs> so I'm in, <laughs> I'm in my comfort zone. I'm, I'm in my complexity and I, it's so complex that I'm going to add some more complexity so that I feel a little bit more comfortable. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, humans are what humans are. But uh, I think this is where I bring the design thinking discussion in mm-hmm. because design thinking is a methodology that. Uh, can simplify complex problems and breaks them down into really manageable pieces. And, of course, the first step of any design thinking process is empathy. Mm -hmm. And that's also why I linked it. I put the two together, inclusion and design thinking, because empathy is the starting point for both of those. Mm -hmm. It's about the employee experience, inclusive culture, and, and it's about the moments that matter. And to understand those moments that matter you need to look at empathy. So to come back to your question around in a large, more complex organization, how would I go about it? This is why I've based it on the design thinking methodology, because you need to visualize what's going on. You need to understand what people are thinking, feeling, and what their needs are. You need to then define, mm-hmm. you know, the w- what it could be for your mm-hmm. organization and then act on, on those ideas and pilot different ways of tweaking the system to look at what your model could look like because it it doesn't happen overnight and it is about tools it is about processes but it's primarily about people so organizations don't transform people do so how do we get people Mm -hmm. on board and create an environment where they can actually express what they're feeling enough for us to understand how it could be done better Beautiful. I just want to repeat the process that Susie just mentioned here. Visualize what your system looks like, understand what is actually happening, and define what you want it to look like, and act and pilot small changes. And the most of all, there is a process, you will use tools. Remember, it's about transforming people. Yeah, it's it's a journey. And I think often we get stuck in the solution-oriented, uh, delivery-oriented part of the organizational culture where it's a project, we'll do it in six months and we'll tick a box. That yeah. isn't possible, but it is possible to change. It's just not a project. It's a change of mindset and it's a change in the way you think, act and interact in your organization. Yeah. And there's one thing that Susie and I have had a conversation on this before. And a change like this, if you want to deploy empathy, yes, you can deploy empathy <laughs> across the organization with the steps that Susie has mentioned. But just remember that it's a change of mindset and change of mindset can take time. Like, you know, you can't just get it off on a project plan and say, okay, this is a start date. And now at the end of this date, I know that, you know, 30,000 people have empathy set uh, and <laughs> as a way of working. Yeah. So just remember that, you know, this is a marathon and you're just beginning the marathon and it's the journey and make that journey an interesting one. Mm. And I think, you know, Deeper, I'm, you're an expert in change. You've invested so much time and, and effort into helping people understand what drives them and what drives that change. And this is pivotal here. It's understanding before you transition to the we, you need to understand the I. And that that is a journey in itself. So I think, the, you know, the first step to getting started is deciding to do it. 
you're deciding that you're going to go on a journey. It's a little bit like training for a marathon. When you decide you're going to do the marathon, you're not ready the next day, clearly. So you have to t break it down into doable bite-sized chunks. And it's almost like a Lego factory. So what are your, and this is where I got my foundational elements from. I looked at it and thought it's complex. There's lots of bricks in there. What are the foundational bricks? So my process was, which brick would I need to put other bricks on top of? And that's how I came up with my four elements of my system, looking through everything I've seen in organizations, everything I've done in organizations, and the reactions of people to those things. And that's how I came up with those four building blocks. Fantastic, fantastic. I would love to implement your formula with you. <laughs> Quite We'd eager. We would have fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think so because, you know, I, I'm like, I love breaking down change and, when, mm. you know, seeing the element of what is it that's getting in the way for me to be more empathetic, right? Mm. Like we all have these inner dialogues. We all have these um, assumptions. We all Clearly. create stories <laughs> in our head as to like, oh yeah. my God, if I become empathetic, then maybe the person won't do the job, right? Like, mm. you know, so many things uh, that come into my, well, I'd love to trust that, you know, there is psychological safety, but I'm not so sure in this mode of crisis, I'm mm. not so sure what he or she will do with my information and <laughs> how it'll be used against me, right? So yeah. even though like, systems and processes and tools can be put in place to ensure that, you know, the right uh, elements are provided for these four foundation blocks to actually mm. flourish. It all boils down, like you said, to the individual mindset shift. Like, you know, it's a mindset shift. Like, you know, we already think that empathy is a mindset shift, but to make that, you know, the mindset shift of, you know, being more empathetic mm. actually requires us to unwind some of the things that we've learned about what is it to be empathetic. Yeah, and this is why this approach particularly takes the tools and methodologies of design thinking, but also the cognitive processes behind it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, weaving that in together so that you don't have to get to the end of six months and think, oh, so we've got everything. We've talked about empathy. We've talked about psychological safety, but it's not happening. And that is because I think you need to understand exactly what you've just said, the cognitive habits that need to change along the way. Exactly. Exactly. Beautifully said. So putting a tick in the box that we've got the right slides, we had the right people come and present, we had <laughs> the right number of trainings uh, yes. for empathy, and now everybody's trained on empathy, so we have empathy in our system. No. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So uh, it has to shift in the mindset, and how can you actually measure that, right? Mm -hmm. So I bet there are things that you can put in place. So how do you take people on this journey? Like, what's the first step? Let's say I want to, let's say I'm working in an organization mm. and I want to actually design my little ecosystem around me to be more inclusive. What would be the first step that I can take? The first step is to ask yourself what different perspectives exist in your system. Mm -hmm. And by your system, I don't just mean your team, I also mean in the organization. Because resistance to change comes from people, it also comes from uh, unwritten codes of culture. So looking at what are my assumptions and what are the assumptions of the system? So collectively, I, I suppose audit is too strong a word, but doing diagnostics on where are we good? Where could I say that you know we're inclusive? I can see the empathy. I can see that we have a collective sort of responsibility going on. Mm -hmm. And where are the pain points? Got it. Okay. So that would be the start, starting place, right? Yes. Doing a diagnostics first. Yes. Great. And I remember that we, you and I had a conversation before when, last week uh, when we were having coffee together, and you mentioned that you're actually launching a program on this. Yes, Can, can I you am. tell us a little bit more on that? Yeah, of course. So 
I launched a program, particularly post-COVID, I've launched it in a hybrid model and brought it online. And it's a three-week program that will take you on this journey of essentially discovery, experimentation and iteration. So you'll discover the foundational building blocks, but also an awareness of the cognitive processes and the interpersonal skills needed to start this journey and take it where it needs to go. So it will help you look at the diagnostics and decide where you and your organization are in this journey and then how you can share your experience with others in the Zoom sessions that we do. And there will be tools, methods and support for you to help you on this journey because what your model in your organization is going to, might look very different from somebody else's organization, but it will be based on the same foundational blocks. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Susie. And if someone wants to get in touch with you, what would be the best way? The best way is to contact me uh, on my website, www.transformforvalue.com, and you can find more details on the program. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being here with us. You're welcome. Thank you for taking yeah. the time, Deepa. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, if you like the episode, as ever, don't forget to take a minute and give us some feedback on iTunes or any other media. And I'll look forward to talking to you soon in one week's time. And until then, stay cool. And by the way, if you're looking to make change happen for yourself, you want to change something, go check out meetmypotential.com for a masterclass that's coming up on change. Thank you so much once again and have a lovely day.